joyful we adore thee, God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like flowers before thee, opening to the sun above. Melts the clouds of sin and sadness. Thank you for joining us for this program from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our program with others. Now, we take you to the service of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. This weekend, I have uh, had the honor and the privilege of going uh, to Trustful, Alabama, to a retreat with the Jacksonburg Church of Christ. That's the church that I worked at, uh, kind of, I guess you could say, my uh, first real ministry job. And uh, Blair and I met while we were there, and... Uh, we dated a little while, and she got to know those uh, brothers and sisters uh, very, very well, and they are just a very special group of people to us, um, and we were able to go back and spend Friday and Saturday with them. Uh, just felt very refreshing, uh, just great to, to be with old friends, and you know that those are always great times. Uh, but one of the, my favorite comment from the weekend, I was not actually present for this moment, which kind of leads to the story, uh, which really could get us into what we're going to talk about today. Uh, there was a nine o'clock campfire, bonfire, uh, for our group at this retreat site. And uh, as I, Vance went ahead with the group, and I said, uh, I told a couple of the guys, I said, hey, watch Vance. I'll be up there in a few minutes with Britton and Collins. And we, Britton and Collins, about 15 minutes later, we start uh, heading in that direction. And we realize that this bonfire is like a mile on the other side of the lake. Um, and Britton was already fussing and gropping and complaining and there was just not any bone in my body that wanted to walk for 25 minutes in the dark around to this bonfire do the bonfire and then walk back especially since Britain had already started like fussing and gropping and like oh, I, we weren't doing this so we came back went to bed and about 11:45, the crew rolls back in I help Vance get a shower he gets in bed and we start the next day well the next day uh, a couple of the ladies came up to me and they said, hey, did you hear what Vance said last night? And as a parent, you know, that's always the opening line of any great story. He was playing in the fire and he goes, really not sure who's supposed to be watching me, but I'm pretty sure I'm not supposed to be doing this. So I kind of look at that as kind of like a half great parent win. At least he knew he wasn't supposed to be doing what he was doing. At least he knew that this was wrong, uh, but did not fear that word would get back to me and that he wouldn't get in trouble, so uh, I'm just going to embarrass him in the sermon this morning as his punishment for that moment. Uh, but I want you to hold on to that statement. I'm not sure who's watching me, but I'm pretty sure what I'm supposed to do, what I'm doing, I'm not supposed to do. So I want us to take some time. We have spent eight weeks talking about who? The last eight weeks we've talked about... Only two of you remember? We've been doing it for eight weeks, and that's all we get. All right, so we'll start all over with I am. No, for eight weeks, we've looked at Jesus, and in particular from the book of John, his I am statements. We've taken some time and just listened to Jesus say, I am this, and I am this. I wanted you to kind of have some time to intimately listen to the voice of Jesus and hear him say, I am these things to you in your life. Because it is important for us to know who Jesus is. We've had that conversation for eight weeks now. So we come into today, and what I want to challenge you with today is now that you have heard who Jesus is, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? 
One of the greatest struggles in our life, one of the most real struggles in our life is, is we find ourselves like Vance many times. I know who Jesus is. I know what he expects out of me. I know what he wants me to do. I know how he wants me to act. I know how he wants me to respond, but I'm not sure if I'm going to do that. I don't know who's in charge of me, but I'm sure I'm not supposed to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. I know who Jesus is, and I know he expects more from me, but you know what? I'm going to choose to live the life that I want to live. We live in a struggle world. We know Jesus. We love Jesus. We appreciate Jesus. But some of the times, those desires within us are so strong, and they're so real that that they can easily, in the moment, outshine or maybe throw a shadow on Jesus. And our heart wants to go this direction when Jesus is over here going, hey, remember me. Remember what all I do for you. Remember all these great things from our relationship. But man, that struggle leads us into a different direction. And so if, if we want to see, this is, this is something that is not just new to us. If you go all the way back to the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 24, Joshua is, they're, 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 they're kind of finishing their conquest, they're fixing to settle in into the land, and he's giving them kind of his speech and talking about all the great things that God has done, kind of like we've done, we've talked about how great Jesus is, and then he gives them this challenge, starting in verse 14, and this is really your challenge as well. This is your challenge as a child of God. Now, fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Listen to that again. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshiped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors uh, served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, finish the statement with me. We will serve the Lord. What does he say? He goes, you've got a decision to make. We all have a decision to make. You know how great God is. You know how mighty God is. You know how awesome the Holy Spirit is. You know how powerful the Son of God is. What are you doing with it? Have you truly made the decision in your life, as he said right here, to fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness? With all faithfulness. Not just serve the Lord but serve him with all faithfulness. Over the next few weeks, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about this idea of what does true, unswerving, undeniable service to God look like. Now, I want us to acknowledge something this morning. I want us to acknowledge something this morning, that it is easy to commit to Jesus when culture flows towards Jesus. Can you agree with that? It is easy to commit to Jesus when culture flows towards Jesus. And we've talked about this a little bit over several of our lessons over this past year, is that there is a group of you that, has, that grew up and even raised your kids in a society where the culture was more Christian-based. The foundation to the culture was more Christian-based. Blair and I were talking a couple of weeks ago, I guess it was, about her grandmother and, and about inflation and everything that's going on. And she, her grandmother was just talking to her. I was listening to her on the phone one day. She was just talking about how expensive everything has gotten. I mean, everything is just out the roof. And I think we all feel that, right? We all feel that. But some of you... Some of you remember 
when gas was what? How many of you remember 50 cents a gallon gas? Any of you remember 50 cents a gallon? Okay, I've never paid 50 cents for a gallon of gas. Never in my life. Gas has always been, except when Kroger came to Savannah with your Kroger card, you could get it for 99 cents a gallon, but that was like for one week. Gas has always been, as far as I've, when, as I've been putting gas in my car, gas has always been close to $2, if not over $2 a gallon. So for me, my perspective is, yeah, gas is $3.19 a gallon right now, but that's not a far cry from where it started when I started having to pay for my own gas, right? So that increase doesn't seem as like shocking to me. But if you remember gas being 50 cents a gallon and you're paying over $3 a gallon now, you're like, whoa, what's going on? Like, it seems like a, a really big deal. You grew up in a different time. And in that time, culture still flowed toward Jesus. So now you look at the world around you and you're like, what is going on? This is crazy as to where maybe some of us younger people look at it and we're like, okay, yeah, it's crazy, but it's not really as crazy as you think, right? Because our perspective, our, our view into it is a little bit different. But you grew up in a time where it was so easy to commit. But at the same time, when it's easy to commit, it's not always the greatest commitment because it doesn't cost you near as much. When commitment is easy, there's not a high price to pay. And so I think that's why you see that, that we've got a generation that, um, that really is kind of my parents' generation. Uh, that generation of Christians really struggles with Christianity now because it was so easy. They grew up in that time where it was so easy to commit, but yet then they started raising their children in a time where it was harder to commit because the price was higher. And so it was easier for them to fall away. But let's just acknowledge this first. It's easy to commit to Jesus when culture flows toward Jesus. And we are not in a time where that happens anymore. So the question then becomes, how do we commit to Christ in a culture that no longer flows toward him? And that's what we're really going to talk about. We're going to talk about living in the here and now and today. And, and studying Jesus and studying some of these things, I want you to understand that you think it's bad now. You think it's bad now. The culture in which the New Testament was written was a hundred times worse than what we deal with, okay? So the things that we're going to read and study from, they are so right there where we need to be. It is written in a time where the culture did not flow toward Jesus whatsoever in any way. So we're going to find some great biblical truths of how to really ground ourselves in this idea. In this idea, I want to start, we're going to look at several passages today. But this is the first one, and this is the one that I think maybe finds the balance in what we're talking about. Paul writes, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. Okay, that's part one. That's part one. Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. But then the next part of it is equally as important. What does he say? Do everything in love. So there's a balance here as well. How do I balance, as we've talked about, grace and love and joyfulness in my faith and acceptance? And, and, and you know, we had this, we, we talked about this idea of as people walk toward the cross, we show them love, grace, and mercy. And when they get there and as they walk away, we focus on doctrine and, and, and different things like that, okay? So how do we find the balance, though, between grace, love, and joyfulness and then being firm, unbending, and uncompromising in our faith? How do we live this out? Be strong, okay? Be on your guard. Stand firm in your faith, 
be courageous, how do we stand in our faith, but also deal with everybody in a loving way. That's the balance that we're going to look for over the next few weeks. So, let's start. And this, just, this lesson is just really kind of introing us in to the, the larger picture that we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. How do I stand firm? How do I stand firm? Well, the first thing I want you to, to, to follow with me today is this. Recognize that to be a Christian, it means I have to stand firm. If I'm going to live this life, recognize that to be a Christian, it means to stand firm. That the commitment that you made when you became a child of God, whether that was yesterday, four days ago, 10 days ago, 10 years ago, 50 years ago, anywhere in that time, you told God that you were willing to stand firm in him regardless of what comes along. Many of you have already made that commitment. Now, does that mean we've always done it? No. Does it mean we've always accomplished it? No. Does it mean that you may need to recommit to this idea? Yeah, absolutely. That may be what it means. Look at what uh, Luke writes, or Jesus says in Luke. Then he said to them, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. Now, there's a couple of things here that I think is really important in this idea of standing firm. Number one, standing firm is a daily decision. you got to wake up every day and decide, this is the, I'm going to live this life today. Because if I, if I focus on the big, big picture, the, can i, I got to do this my whole life, that can become overwhelming. So he says, what, what does he say? That whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself and take up their cross when? Daily. Daily. And I like that for a couple of different reasons. Number one, it breaks it down maybe into small pieces. I can digest that commitment a little bit better. But hey, you know what else? I may have totally dropped the ball yesterday. My, my, I may have made the biggest faith blunder I've ever made yesterday. But what is today? Today's a new day. Today's a new day. And I can go to God and I can ask God to forgive me for that moment. And his grace and mercy will wash over me again. And he will cleanse me of that sin. And I can say, today is a new day. And I'm grabbing my cross. And I'm re-strengthening my commitment. I'm surrounding myself with the people I need to surround myself. I'm starting over today. Every day is a fresh stance, chance to start over with God. doesn't matter what you did yesterday. Get forgiveness from it. Learn from it. Heal from it. And let's move on. Let's take today as a new fresh day. Pick up our cross and go again. But then he goes on and says, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. The next thing he says is understand it's not about what you want. It's not about what you want. This commitment to God, standing firm, is not about making your life... Following Jesus is not about making your life better and easy. It's not. Because what, what did Dylan read for us just a few minutes ago from the scripture reading? Guess what they're going to do? If you live your life standing firm in your faith, what are people going to do? They will hate you. They will hate you. Boy, that's a sales pitch, isn't it? Riley, we ought to put that in the brochure. Line number one, follow Jesus. 
everybody's going to hate you. We don't talk about that a whole lot, do we? Because that kind of makes us, but that's what he's promising. It's not going to be easy. The end result is wonderful. We're in it for the retirement plan more than anything else. The eternal retirement plan. But realize it's not about you. It's about God. When I sign up for it, it's about God. I've got to stand firm in that. And I have the opportunity to do that every single day. I can start that commitment over if I need to. If I fall flat on my face, I get a chance to start over. Okay, so stand firm. That's what it's about. The second thing is this. Prepare for the hostility that is heading your way. Understand that part of standing firm is being ready. Preparing yourself and knowing, hey, this, this can be a difficult thing. It's going to be a difficult thing. First Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the suffering of the Christ or of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. Let's, let's keep going to another passage. Matthew chapter 10, 21 through 22. Brothers, uh, brother will betray, will betray brother to death, and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. The world's going to hate you. If you follow God the way you're supposed to follow God, your family might hate you. There's going to be people that are hostile toward you. And that is something we do not like. We do not like people to not like us. I've never met anybody that says it makes me happy when people hate me. They may be grouchy people, but they want to be liked deep down. They want those relationships. And he says, look, there's coming a time, though, when when you follow me, people aren't going to like you. So be ready for that. It almost, it's almost like he says, take a little bit of pride in that. Be honored in that. Because you know in that moment you're standing firm. Lean on me, trust on me, and I'm going to get you through it. Here's the third thing. Don't compromise. Don't compromise. James chapter 4 says, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world, read that last statement, becomes an enemy of God. Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend, I like that statement, it's challenging. 1 Peter 1, verses 14 through 15. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. The greatest, I believe, challenge to the church across the board in today's world is compromise is compromise. What, what is compromise? It's when I know I should be going this direction. I know I should be going this direction. And, and I know what I need to be doing. I know I need to be following these instructions. I know I need to be living this life. I know I need to be making these decisions. But I'm going for this moment to just reach over here. And compromise starts usually with small grabs of things I don't need. Things that I shouldn't be a part of. 
And small compromises usually turn into bigger compromises. It's that, that great statement of the slippery slope. You start down it, and if you're not careful, before you know it, you're at the bottom. And you don't realize it. Compromising is such a challenge to standing firm because we can justify compromising and we can feel like we've compromised. We, we've, that compromise is little. I'm still, moving in, I'm, I'm still moving in this direction, but I've just kind of made a small detour and I'm going to get back. But don't compromise. Know where you need to be. Know what you need to be doing and stand there and be firm. Now, all that being said, this, this, this may not be the greatest sales pitch, right? Hey, come follow Jesus. It's going to be the hardest thing you ever do. That's not what we sell. That's not what we want everybody to know. But I want to end with this note. Rejoice in the victory that is already yours. God has called you to stand firm. But he's not calling you to stand firm in the battle that you have no idea how it ends. He says, come stand firm in the battle. Come, come dig into the trenches with your brothers and sisters because I promise you the victory is yours. You've already won. You're going to have some, some, some mop-up skirmishes here and there, but I have already won. And even if this costs you your life, which it very well could, it does around the world every day. We're just really blessed here in America that that's not where we are at this point. But even if it costs you your life, guess what? You're better off anyway. You're better off anyway. Listen to some of these passages this morning. I just want to run through some things. Just, just listen to these things. I've told you these things so that you, or so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world, Jesus says. This is why, for Christ's sake, 2 Corinthians 2.10, this is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Matthew 5, verse 10, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brother or sister or mother or father or child or field for me and the gospel will fail to receive as a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. The Great Commission, then the... Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. How does he end this? And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely, what? I'm with you always. To the very end of the age. I want us to be challenged over the next seven weeks. I do. This gets us, this sets the stage. Not, not a whole lot of, of depth in things this morning other than I want you to understand this. You're called to a standard and that standard is to stand firm. Plant your feet in Jesus and stand in him. Understand who he is and what he's done for you and how awesome he is and everything that comes from that relationship and plant your feet in that relationship and do not move no matter what comes along. But the truth is, that struggle is real. So what do we do with it? 
How do we live it? Make sure you're ready for the next seven weeks. We're going to answer that question. We're going to grow in that answer. And we're going to try to stand firm together. Let's close with a word of prayer. God, we thank you for the chance to be in your presence this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to have your mercy and grace and your love just shower upon us every day. We thank you for the blessings that overflow from you. God, help us to hold on to those things, to ground ourselves in those things so that when challenges come, because they're going to, we're not surprised by them and we're prepared for them and we're standing firm in them, in, in, in those blessings. Just bless us as a church. Help us to grow as we study your word over the next few weeks in this particular direction. In your son's name we pray, amen. One of the greatest gifts that God has ever given us is the gift of salvation. It's a free gift. You've not done anything to earn it. What he asks from you in return is he says, hey, I need you to believe in me. I need you to trust me. I need you to follow me. And if you're willing to do that, he says, believe in me and be baptized. He said, I'll forgive you of all your sins, all of them. Every, everything you walked in and with into the room this morning, God says, I could forgive it all. You just believe me and do what I ask. I'll free you from that burden. At the same time, a lot of us have the tendency to grab a hold of those burdens. I, I love when Paul makes his list in 1 Corinthians of all the things that is not accepted in the kingdom, and he goes, and you were once these things? And what we have a habit of doing is once we're no longer these things, we're comfortable with those things, so we reach back and we grab those things and hold on to them, not because they're good for us, but because they're comfortable to us. But he says, you have been sanctified, you've been justified, and you've been washed. We need to let go of those things. So if you've reached back and grabbed those things, if you're compromising in those things, understand that you have the ability to still be pure as, pure as snow, to be white and cleansed by confessing those sins once again and saying, I'm going to pick up my cross today. And I'm going to keep going. If there's anything we can help you with this morning in your walk with God, come and let us help you as we stand and sing. Thou art giving and forgiving, ever blessing, ever blessed. Thank you again for joining us. And please consider subscribing to our YouTube channel or our podcast. We can be found on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast provider. Also, leave us a five-star review which will greatly assist in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again. And until then, remember to love like Jesus.